This podcast is powered by The Plug. Traverse City, all right, it's Traverse City Whiskey Company. Uh, I think they, I think they also do some other stuff too. I'm not sure. Yeah, they do some other. They do some. I think they do some vodka or some yeah. gin or something. And for y'all that want to know where that at in, in Michigan, where that's at in Michigan, you know, do that little hand yeah, thing. Yeah, it's way yeah. up here at the top of the hand. Way right? up there. Way up there. <laughs> right. So far up there that I've never even been. <laughs> so yeah, I think I've been. No, been I've never been to Traverse City. They had that cherry festival or something. Cherry festival, yeah, right. And yeah. I've seen some some pictures from up there. And it looked, it looked really beautiful. I ain't gonna yeah, lie. It looked cool. Yeah. I kind of want to check it out. But yeah, so that's where we got this uh, Traverse City Whiskey Company. Obviously, we didn't go to Traverse City to get it. But uh, I'm excited about that, so this is going to be cool. Um, I did want to say, I just had to make mention of this. We were talking about it uh, off air. Our last, uh, our last local distiller. It was a very, it was a very nice. It was, it was, it was a good, it was good, it was a good whiskey. It was good um, bourbon, yeah. Uh, bourbon, yeah, it was a good bourbon. bourbon yeah. But uh, yeah, so we had to no longer, you know, partake in that. But uh, it was, it's I, owned by the Devos family, y'all. Okay. I was the trying Secretary to education. I, I was trying to get past it, but all right. Since so we're gonna put it out there, so, so we that's why we don't mess with it. Talking about, we ain't gonna say the name. We we won't even put the name yeah. out there. All right. If you know, you know. All right. So uh, anyway, we go we go get sipping a little bit earlier today because uh, I think we both a little thirsty. Uh, I know I am, so I need to give me a little drink in. But we got a few other things to talk about today. Um, also, don't forget if you're following us right now on eblockradio.com that you hit that subscribe button so that you can get alerted every time that we go live. All right. So we are at episode number four of season two. So if you haven't seen season one, you can go back through right now because there's a whole playlist which gives you uh, episode one through eight. Ending with Uncle Nearest, which was our season finale last year. All right, so make sure you tap in. Also, too, if you're watching right now, you haven't seen a bourbon or whiskey that you enjoy, uh, hit us in the comment box, and maybe we'll try it out. So go ahead, and hit us up. Also, if you are a distiller and you would just like to talk to us, like we might bring you in into the studio once everything clears up, or maybe on a Zoom conference. So just let us know in the inbox as well, and we'll make that happen. But all right, so let's go. All right, <laughs> episode four. All right, let's jump right to it. Um, the first thing here, like I said, I wanted to say about uh, doing the local distillers. Obviously, uh, Bo had mentioned before that he wanted to do something local. So he was trying to find something in the area. And I think what's, what's dope about that is that most whiskeys and, and bourbons, obviously, uh, come from Tennessee and, and Tennessee and whiskey. <laughs> Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, so I think it's cool to have you know, our, our very own distillers in Michigan. So that's kind of mm -hmm. dope. Um, what I was curious, though, and this is just kind of like off the, off the topic kind of question, but like we did bro brothers uh on episode one 
Just thinking about that, do you think there will ever be like a black distiller in Michigan? In Michigan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, if it's not in Detroit. Probably not. Probably not, right? Because <laughs> um, like Traverse City, it's, for y'all that don't know, it's, it's, it's like, I don't want to say like. It's, it's not Detroit. Let's not say Detroit. that. Yeah, let's just say it's not Detroit. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, I can see something like that happening in Detroit, you know. Um, maybe, you know, like certain people we know. and. Yeah. Now what I what I did uh, like not to take too much uh, attention from Traverse City, but real quick I did want to mention Bro Brothers again. Uh, I was watching their live feed a few days ago, or it'll be a few days by the time this airs, and uh, he was mentioning about how much capital it took to yeah, get into it. Yeah, and it's like I, I don't know, man. It, it they almost make it seem unattainable, but I I don't want that to scare people though. So I, I think that possibly it could be something in mm -hmm. Michigan with a black distiller but I mean you really have to have some connections yeah, yeah and that's the connections you want to have if you don't have deep pockets you're gonna to have to have that angel investor that, that got sure. deep pockets yeah, right it's not cheap what about this though what if what if you're able to maybe not be the primary distiller but maybe partner with like a, a bro brothers and like bring a distillery of theirs here maybe that would be a little less yeah I mean I yeah I don't that's something we'll talk about on another show but yeah that's just pretty interesting I just wanted to talk about that all right, so uh, this is the one time, y'all, I'm excited about this. This is the one time that we actually have a whiskey that I've had and Bo had. No, so I'm, I'm excited about that. I've actually had the experience with it already, so it's kind of cool. Uh, and I had it on the Humble because one day I was, uh, I was at Walmart and I was looking for something local. And I ran across this, and they have a cherry blend as well. And I think, the first of all, I didn't want the cherry blend anyway. <laughs> but then the first thing that popped in my head yeah, was yeah, Bo. Yeah. I, I can hear him saying like, "I don't drink that fruity shit." <laughs> like I can hear it in my head. Like, so I better not get it either. But I, I, didn't, I didn't want it either. That's the one thing. Now, I have, I do, I, I do drink like some flavored things. Uh, like Canadian whiskey is the only thing, honestly. I think I drink in flavors, and that's probably, uh, you know, Crown Royal. Anything else though, I've never had in flavors, and I'm not really interested in having in flavors. So. Mm -hmm. We got the original, and we're going to get to it. You know what? We're going to do something different this time. We're about to bust it open right Just now. Bust it up, just, why not? Get right to it, right? And roll my sleeves up. <laughs> right, roll your sleeves yeah. up. Roll my sleeves up. <laughs> Again, if uh, this is your first time watching the Beers Bourbon Whiskey podcast, then you know that we do bump the bottom of the bottle. Um, it's an old, ancient hood secret. Ancient. Yep, and we're not going to explain it again, so you just got to gotta Google it or something. Oh, yeah, I remember it. <laughs> It's been a little while since I had it. Y'all wonder what I'm smoking. I got a little Ramon and Lones, a little Cuban, you know what I mean? Yeah, we got Cubans here. And, uh, let me see what we got over here again. <laughs> he, got, he got Andalusian Bull. Andalusian Bull, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I, for whatever reason, I could not get the name Which right happens to be my favorite non-Cuban. <laughs> right, because if you watched uh, last week's episode, Woo. then you know that I had a Cuban last weekend. I was pretty fried, so I, <laughs> I told him this week I wasn't trying to do a Cuban, all right? All right, so. I had to call him an Uber. <laughs> right. So let's take a look here. See, I remember. So, so what's the nose like, huh? Let's see. Definitely some citrus. Yeah. A little vanilla, maybe. You know what? You know what's, what's different about the three that we had previously? There's no caramel. It's been caramel in um, every one. You don't think so? I, I think so. I, I, I think. Or if it is, I think the citrus overpowered. I definitely smell the citrus. That's the first thing I smell, yeah. Let's see what that palette is like real quick. It's definitely the citrus. 
See, I taste caramel. I taste the citrus more than anything. Yeah, it's always I taste it's caramel. I taste some vanilla. A little. Oh, at like the finish. A, yeah. At the finish, I do the. Like a little. No, I hear the, I, I, I taste the vanilla in the finish. Do you okay? In the finish, yeah. I'm still, I'm still on the palate. That's just like, I don't know. It's kind of complex. It, it, it's got a taste, of citrus, it and vanilla. Finishes, it finishes different than it starts. That's for sure. Maybe a little, little caramel. Maybe a little lemongrass type. You know what I mean? Uh, the finish. It's vanilla. All day. You might think caramel. I, I, say, I think well, I think more caramel than I call vanilla. that vanilla. I don't know. I think we call agree to disagree. We're gonna have to have yeah, gentlemen's disagreement on right. that one. <laughs> right. But it's definitely a sweeter, it's a, yeah. definitely a sweeter finish. Yeah. I think yeah. what's cool about this though is that it's not sweet all the way through. So I think that's what's what's double about. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not it's sweet not, all the no. way through. And I think that's probably what what would save it from uh, from being too sweet, almost. That's what's like what we didn't like about Maker's Forty Six. Yeah, it was no, kind of no, too, too sweet. sweet. Yeah. But but it did. I ain't gonna lie. I think because it was sweet, it was offset perfectly by the by the Cuban. At least the one that I had mm -hmm. last week. I'm not sure that every one that offset it like that. But when something's really sweet like that, I do feel like the the smokiness of a cigar I take away from that. So I think that's dope. But um, all right. So let's get to our for real conversation. You know, since we already here. Um, what are we talking about today? <laughs> we're gonna talk about guns. Ooh. All right, we're gonna talk I about like guns. guns. Yeah, yeah, I think we all know that. I like uh, guns. And you know what? Since we're talking about guns, I think this is a perfect segue to uh, point out on point arms. On point arms. So, if you want to protect yourself, your family, and support black business, my homeboy Kenrick, like down to earth dude, best, like one of the best dudes I know. On point arms, LLC. He on. He's got a big. Like presence on IG, check him out. On Point Arms LLC. His name's Kenrick. Hit him up. He'll walk you through whatever. You know what I mean? I'm like, awesome dude. For sure. All right. So, I, first of all, I, I think this is an important subject. Anyway, like obviously it's an important subject because you're talking about uh, arming yourself and protecting yourself and your family. But of course, if you've been, unless you've been under a rock, then you know that I think it's even more important at this point, especially for us, especially for Black people. Um, so we, we gotta have a we gotta have a little conversation about everything that happened. Well, not everything, <laughs> but uh, what happened in Georgia. Now this is not in Atlanta though, so it's a it's a suburb of Atlanta. So it's not like really a uh, I wouldn't call it an urban area. So that mm -hmm. might have that might have something to do with you know what's going on. But uh, look, I've been avoiding this conversation. Like I I, I ain't even gonna lie to you, but. Um, we, I'm, I'm just gonna let Bo start off with this one. I, I'll feed into it, but like I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared to have this whole conversation because it's a, uh, it's a touchy subject. So if you don't know, we're talking about Bo. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna let Bo <laughs> take it from here, and I'm just gonna chime in. Like we gonna shift gears here a little bit. I'm a, yeah, go ahead, man. <laughs> I, I, obviously, you know, we all kind of, yeah, I've seen on social media or wherever what, what, what's happened to, you know. Um, the young black gentleman in Georgia that was murderous, chased, gunned down, literally murdered by these two, these two white dudes, right? right? Because they thought he somebody was breaking into you know houses. You know, I've right. y'all all heard about that, um, and we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. But like what I told Q is that I wanted to really talk about black gun ownership, man. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Like, right. yeah, you know, it is hard not to bring it's that up, but I'll talk to you yeah, definitely. And just like how important it is, you know, because obviously, you know, people beat you up about not voting or not registering or whatever. Exactly. You know, I, I guess I'm that passionate, you know, about 
black folks exercising their gun rights. Well, you know what? Let's let's start there. What what made you get so passionate about it? Um, a couple different things, man. Uh, what really got me into guns mm. is when I joined the military. Before that, I never even touched a gun. I never really, like, yeah, you see them, but I never really thought about owning one, you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, you get the whole breakdown, how to use it, how to clean it, how to maintain it, how to whatever, right? Strip it down, all that good stuff. Now, your, your dad was a military guy. Yeah, my dad, you know, we had guns in the house, but, you know, obviously, you know, just... Hey, guns dangerous. Stay away from the gun. You know, from, yeah, right. a lot of the kids. You know what I mean? So like, <laughs> right. that's kind of how I viewed it growing up. Really, stay you know? away from yeah, yeah. yeah. He didn't really teach me about the the safety. Like, you know, you know, until I got a little bit older. I was probably about 15, 16, maybe okay. when he actually showed me how it works and all that type yeah. of stuff. Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, we had guns around the house. So I was just like, if I looked at that cabinet hard, I was about to get my ass beat. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I just think it's real important for, for black folks and you know to exercise that right because like we, we, we saw old boy talk about a little earlier when there's any type of uh Oh yeah, what's the name? Miles Torre. Yeah. yeah. When there's any type of you know like unrest and stuff like that, you know, like typically folks that look like me, you and most of y'all out there are the ones that's gonna be at risk, you know what I mean? So when that happens you need something to protect yourself and your family. And yeah, you need to know how to use yeah, it. Yeah, you need to know how to use it, you need to know how to clean it. You need to know how to maintain it. You need, you know, uh, if you get a little further into it, you need to know how to do reloads, which is basically make your own ammo, stuff like that, right? Um, well, that's oversimplifying it, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just real important, man, for us to. I'm not saying you got to be a gun nut to get into the culture, you know. I'm not saying you got to buy 30 guns. You know, you just get one from you like your little personal self defense or how home defense or whatever, right? But you definitely just need to be, you need to have an understanding. Yeah, you need to have an understanding of how they operate, right? And how to be safe around them. Yeah, I think that's the that's the shift. Uh, that's the shift that needs for, yeah. that's the shift that's needed for uh, like the, and I, I guess I can, I guess I'll call it a culture. I, that's that's a, exactly what it is. Yeah, culture, culture, yeah. And that's the shift that needs to happen, I think, is just the educational part. I think all of us growing up, it kind of got to a point where they're, I, I mean, honestly, let's just you know keep it a hundred. Like a lot of us lived in the inner city, and a lot of guns were illegal. So people had guns when they weren't supposed to, and however they got them, whatever. Right. But it was a stigma behind it, just like don't touch that gun, like don't do this, don't do that. But it was never the education or or like the telling you, telling you what you can use this gun for and, and how to use it and why you shouldn't necessarily be afraid of it. You know exactly what I'm right. Yeah. Perfect example. Um, what was it? A couple years ago, I think I took my sister out to the gun range. And for those of you that don't know my sister, she <laughs> was not very pro-gun, very afraid of them, almost afraid to look at them, right? She's like, seriously. Won't even look at them. No, no eye contact you know. with yeah. So I talked to her in the coming out to the gun range with me. I think it was, uh, I forget what, what day it was. Anyway, it was a couple years ago. Um, so I packed up a couple, you know, just nine mils. I packed up a you know, revolver. Uh, really one of them each type of classification gun I have, you know, shotgun, my AK, AR-15, you know, I even had, I didn't even think I, I threw in the SBR. Basically, I had a big ass gun, you know, bag of guns that day, right? right? Get a bag of guns. Yeah, and a bunch of ammo and shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to teach my sister really how, you know, how to shoot, how to group, how to aim, how to adjust, how, how to fix things when you have a malfunction or you have a stoppage, you know, those type of things, right? Yeah. So like you gotta, you gotta be comfortable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, so you know, at first, as she got more comfortable with it, yeah, you know, she started hitting the target consistently and, and, and grouping, right? Not just like shooting the target, but actually getting them in, you know, groups, right? Okay. 
uh, which is very important. I was right? just going to say, like... Because that, that, that kind of keys you into to a couple things, right? Your accuracy lets you know that your sights are accurate, right? Because if you're life in danger, you want to hit what you're shooting at, exactly. obviously, right? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I noticed myself doing the shit we was doing the basic training, you know, when you, before they give you guns, they had you walk around like this. Right. <laughs> yeah. it, uh, but um, the other thing, too, is it's like, a, um, so when you do shoot that target or whatever it is, like that grouping is important, like center mass and, you know, things like that, right? right. So you want to stop what's coming at you, you know what I mean? And, and that's also where those, those groupings can come, you know, come in play, I guess you could say, you know. Um, yeah, so it, it's a lot of ins I mean, and outs. Just, just like terminology like that, though. Mm -hmm. Like, those words should should mean something when you say it to people. Like, when you talk about grouping, like, if, you, if you've if you never been accustomed to shooting, shooting targets or shooting a, a gun at all, then you might not even know what you're talking about. And I think, again, that's part of the problem. Like, we don't... We don't even we don't know the educational part behind it. So a lot of times in the inner city, like I, I like we do have a lot of gun violence or we have a lot of gun crimes, which they probably have them in other places too. But you know, with me, I'm always talking about you know ours. <laughs> so I think that if you had more education, I, I think this is something that uh, my man was talking about on the, on his interview. If you had that education, then I'm willing to guess that it would be it would be less. I don't know. Crime might not be less, but it'll be it'll definitely be less accidents, and it'd be I, it could be less crime too. I think when people are more comfortable knowing how to use guns and realizing that but, everybody else know how to use so, them too. You, you know, yeah, you know, the, the one the one thing the one point that he brought up that I really agree with, right, is how heavily like uh, regulated the inner city areas are uh, uh, as far as anti-gun, right. Like, you know, so many gun laws that, you know, you can't carry, like, anywhere, like, it seems like near the city, it seems like, right? <laughs> right. So then that makes people that do abide by the law, makes them fearful. Yeah. And then those that don't, it's like, damn, okay, I got free ride here, right? right? Like exactly. the old boy said, like, I know oh, this, is shoot a, back. this is a school-free zone, school, uh, gun-free school zone, right? <laughs> right. I can't shoot oh, here. <laughs> can't shoot here. Let me turn around, guys. You sign, right. yeah. Like, I fuck exactly. with him on that, right? Yeah, yeah. I get that. Right. I, we don't agree with everything. No. Nah. On, for the but, most part, yeah. on, on the gun stuff. Anyway. But going going back to that, and uh, before like, if y'all don't know, grouping from my very high level is putting a specific amount of shots in a a predetermined area. So like, right. if I put can put three shots in a one inch area or whatever, that's what that's what grouping is, right? It's more complex than that, but yeah, that's like oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, but but shit like that, and, and you know, not only before you even go to the range, like right. So, you know, I stand in the mirror, you know, three times a week, just drawing my pistol. You know, obviously it's unloaded, but drawing my pistol out of my holster. Yeah. You know, because if I have to do that shit when I'm out, I don't want to be fumbling and all that shit, yeah. trying to, you know, and meanwhile, I'm getting all wet, getting shot and wet the fuck up, right? You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. So, that's important to know that, those type of yeah, things. Muscle memory. Yeah. It's just like It's just like playing sports. Dime washer drills, you know, to train, like, your dominant eye and how to look down the sight. So, like, all that stuff's yeah. important. Yeah, and see that this is this is an important information. So I, I gotta ask you this: um, with what we're talking about, obviously I think education is important. I, I do have to go back to uh, one thing my man said, uh, Maj Ture, uh, which I, I thought was completely accurate, and it was just how he made that equation to uh, you know the teen pregnancy epidemic that was mm -hmm. a little while ago. And he said that you know they didn't ban yeah they didn't ban sex, but they start educating people, and then obviously the teen mm -hmm. pregnancy went down. So this is no different. They're like, I'm curious. Well, I, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm curious why 
that that whole angle wasn't taken in the first place. I mean, obviously, I, I think we all we know why. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that that's definitely something that needs to be looked at. So yeah, you don't want to take arms away from people. You just need to educate them on how to use them. Right. I mean, alleviate a lot of stuff and obviously we know capitalistic societies if you alleviate some of that stuff then like the other shit that they really trying to fuel won't get fueled which is the prison system and everything else that's a whole nother uh, conversation though so i understand why they're not doing it but i think since we know that now mm -hmm. i think is is it is our duty at this point to start educating ourselves and the, the next generation i think we talked about this before in another aspect so just going on to that i just want to ask you uh, just like we talked about mental health, how soon is too soon to start talking to your kids about guns? I mean, I don't think it's, you know, once they start comprehending, obviously, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, six years old, I, I, don't, I, wouldn't, I don't think it's too young myself, personally. Like, if I, if I had a kid, like, yeah, you know, because I have a lot of guns, you know, so they're going to be in, they're going to be around the house. I mean, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't have kids now, so, you know, it's just me, you know, but, like, you know, I have them locked, you know, locked up for, like, theft and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, if you have a kid, like, I, won't, I would want my kid to know how to be safe and how to operate it and all that type of stuff, right? You know, obviously, under very, very, very close supervision, you know, but I don't think there's, you know, there's these little white kids out here hunting at six, seven, eight years old. Right, so what's the like, difference? Yeah, there's just no what's really yeah, difference. There's no difference. Other than that stigma of being black. Mm -hmm. Just like I've seen, uh, this is really good, by the way. Mm. So, <laughs> that shit is pretty good. Yeah, this is pretty good. Though. Traverse City uh, bourbon, okay. Yeah. I, I mess with y'all. Traverse City Whiskey Company. Whiskey man. Company, yeah. Yeah, dope. Definitely dope. Um, but yeah, so I think, I think it is important to start early. And I think that there aren't enough uh, situations or programs in place that will allow this training to, you know, happen on a on a grander scale. So I think with that, we almost forced to do it ourselves. I'm, I'm gonna say this too, like so. It's almost like guns are so taboo, right? When you get to the inner city, yeah. just like automatically people equate that to like gangs and violence and, and this and that. Um, up to not long ago, uh, what was it? I forget? It's not the Boy Scouts, but it's like some other little. Civilian Air Patrol, one of those little groups, whatever, that, yeah, that white folks put their kids into, right? <laughs> you know, when I was living in Wisconsin, they had, uh, in, in, like, downtown, they had this building, like, they, this, this organization had this building, like, in the basement, they had a gun range. It was just, it was just a 22, but it was kids in there, like, shooting, like, this is, like, this is, like, everyday deal, right? So and there's nothing wrong with that. It was, like, American is apple pie. So why does it become a problem when we get into it, Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. Just like we talked about in Lansing, uh, in Michigan, in our uh, state capital, mm -hmm. when the uh, you know a lot of uh, yeah a lot of white people mm -hmm. <laughs> overtook the uh, overtook the capital with guns and everything, and then you put right next to that the picture of the Black Panthers doing the exact same thing, and the the, the narrative is completely different. And I think that along with like damn near everything else in America is all about the narrative. Like it's, it's the narrative that changes things. Like we we and our counterparts are for the most part, doing the same things and wanting the same things out of America, like in real life, when you bring it down to the bare necessities. But it's just the narrative from each side is what makes it acceptable or unacceptable. And this, this is definitely one of those situations. And I think that a lot of people, um, quite honestly, I think a lot of black people anyway, didn't really get hit to like, to guns and, and like the, I won't even say the, well yeah, the, the positive side of it until people start coming home from the army. Like, I think without, without our black, without our like, uh, like fathers and uncles and stuff going to 
the, uh, going to the army and stuff and getting kind of getting acquainted with, with firearms and like how to use them and how to educate yourselves on them. I think that we would have been even further behind on on the education part. I think I don't know. I might be I might be I might be overthinking that, but I, I think that that's where a lot of it comes from because otherwise we never get introduced to that. Like because people have always seen guns as as crime and like unlawfully attaining them. So like without people going to the military, I think a lot of us would have never even seen the legal use of a gun. Um, Am I reaching by saying? No, that? no, I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say a couple things. First, you know, we're gonna talk about like the Black Panthers and okay. and how they. The NRA was the one time they were anti, not anti-gun, but the one time they were uh, pro-gun control, and that's right. why California has such yeah. stringent gun laws now because you know what Black Panthers did there. Mm -hmm. Anyway, getting back to your question, though, I think that's true geographically. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at the South, you know, just talking to, and, and I'm not, this is not fact. This is just in my experience in my world. Um, most people I know from the South, you know, talking to my, my mother and my family and my friends. All, they all had guns down yeah, there, right? Okay. You know. Um, yeah. So, so right, yeah, right. yeah. So like down there, I think it's just kind of you know, it's, yeah, it's country. You hunt, you do this, you do whatever. You know, there's at least a shotgun or a rifle around, you know, somewhere, right? But up, you know, up north, like my dad, you know, he didn't he didn't grow up around guns, right. you know, that type of stuff, right? Okay. And then in the south, my mom obviously that wasn't a female thing, so right. you know, my, my grandfather <laughs> didn't teach her about right, it, you know, exactly. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's true, but I think it's true geographically, and and, and that's just within my my world, my experience. Though, it makes sense know? when you say it like yeah. that. Cause definitely down south, I think they were a little more acquainted with guns because mm -hmm. like people people were hunting. Yeah, now. like people really were like hunting. for real. Like you want dinner tonight? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, like that's the only way you yeah. was gonna eat. For real. So <laughs> that that definitely makes sense. So I think that's the case. But I, so so now with, with all this information that we have, though, I think it is again, um, it's our obligation. Like I I can't. I did this with the with the mental health issue and, and other issues. Like I, I got to get past it. I can't keep dwelling on the fact that you know the generation before us didn't do such and such or didn't do X, Y, and Z. At this point, who cares? Like we gotta we gotta pick up the ball yeah. wherever it was dropped. You gotta educate you gotta, yourself. Yeah, yeah, you gotta educate yourself. And I think that having having these conversations are necessary because even then, when you get to this point, and you know I'm in my uh, you know my very very early forties, uh, <laughs> but even at this point. I've come, I've come this far without the proper education of you know how to use a gun and how to properly uh, reload, how to properly clean yeah. it, how to maintain it, you know all the safety regulations uh, that come along with it. And I think that by the time that you you know 40, by the time you're my age, and if you haven't had the education, it's, it's really late in the game. So I'm, I'm thinking that at this point, uh, if I ever have kids. I think we definitely have to do this early, and it's a conversation that just like it's really a conversation. It shouldn't just be something that's like so taboo. And I think when things are taboo, that's what makes shit go haywire. And you know, the other thing too is you're not by yourself, right? Yeah. So yeah, there's an NRA that has information, and I would use them for the information because a lot of that is good information. Mm -hmm. But then you have groups like NAGA, right? So the National <coughs> African American Gun Association, okay. and um, which ranks are like I am, I am a member. Okay. The ranks are swelling right now, like all kinds of growth, especially with what's going on, you know, out here in the world. Okay. Um, and then I want to just want to give a shout out to. Before you go too far, how do you do it? Like how do you? But I'm gonna get into that. Yeah. Right. So I want to give a shout out too to the Black Bottom Gun Club, right, which is based in Detroit. Black which Bottom. Is, yeah, they they are they are a uh, a chapter of NAGA, right? Gotcha. The Detroit chapter. Yeah. And I want to give them a shout out because they actually got their guns, their ammo 
went up to the state capitol and escorted all of the black uh, uh, politicians out off the that state capitol. Yeah, that okay, was the Black okay. Bible Gun Club, so okay. shout out to y'all. Yeah, to um, yeah, become a member, they got a website. You know, just go to NAGA's website, or if you don't, just Google N-A-A-G-A. Okay. And everything, like, they lay it out just, like, so simple and plain for you to join. Yeah. And even if you don't join, just like, hey, here's some basic information about guns and ammo and safety gotcha. and that type stuff, right? And just on that tip, people don't even know. Like, mm -hmm. I, I didn't know until you mentioned it today before the show. I think it was in our group text. And I was like, what the hell is NAAGA? Like, what is that? Like, so I had to Google it. Like, and that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, the information is available. And uh, some of us are beacons of information. And we got to be able to share that stuff. And I think once that starts happening, then then like some of the laws will have to change mm -hmm. and i think that's the kind of point of it and again it's just like the the mental health situations that we was talking about before um unfortunately we can put in a lot of legwork but you have to be <laughs> you have to be comfortable in knowing that some of the work that you're doing you may not ever see the fruits of your labor but this is really everything we're doing now is for the generations to come and that's that's a hard sell to make because i know people are we in a we in a time of instant gratification like you want Everything you're doing now, you want to see results now, but that might not be the case. But we still got to be comfortable with doing it. And I think this is the generation that we're able to change it just because of the access to information. And that's the crazy thing is, is that the information is out here. So even, though, even though it's people out here to spin so it, much. you know, they can spin it and use it however they want to, but it's still there. So you still have the obligation to, to take that information mm -hmm. and you have the obligation to share with your community. Whether that be your community, right? Right. So when you buy your gun from On Point Arms, <laughs> right. and then you go buy the ammo from Black Ra Black Rambo Ammo Ammo Company, which is the only Black Ammo Company, uh, uh, Black owned Ammo Company in this country. What? So yeah, Black, Black Rambo, Rambo Ammo, ammo Company. Yes. Word. Shout out to them. Mm -hmm. We giving some plugs today, man. I, and look, I'm gonna put all of the all the people that we talking about in today's show. Um, you will be able to see links to to mm -hmm. their websites at the bottom of this uh, YouTube video because I think that's important. And um, especially when, uh, especially when we just moving into a time when, all right, I'm gonna circle back to this shit. So let's just get to it. Especially when you moving back to a time where it's not even safe to be jogging. Can't jog down the street, bro. For real. So in this situation, uh, I mean, it's so much like, and low key, I wanna, I wanna kind of pull this, uh, this story up that I seen just so I can talk about that connection with the. Uh, and, and yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and call them two murderers. I did just want to mention, like, like I said, but uh, like not to get too deep into the story, but obviously we know uh, that my Aubrey was was basically was, was jogging, and uh, I feel like, and first of all, let me say this too, I, I I didn't watch the video, I haven't watched the video yet, but just looking at the uh, the, the comments and looking at the stories surrounding it, I mean, it really sounded like you you remember that movie. Uh, what was it called? Surviving the game? What was that with yeah, Ice T? Yeah. Like, that's yeah, what it felt like. Home, to me. And the homeless guys and whatnot. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's what it felt like to me. Like that's really what it felt like, just mm -hmm. from reading everything. Yeah. But uh, so these two dudes, um, and let me get their names correct, so we make sure. Uh, something McMichael, fuck them. Yes, yeah, yeah. Say all right. I, yeah, I'm not fuck trying to give no light. But anyway, they finally got arrested. Like you know, damn it, four months later. Mm -hmm. um, but what was interesting to me is I, I ran across this story and I was looking for it right now to try to find it just to try to get some clarification, because I'm not sure if this is factual. Um, but apparently, um, the police that were on the scene, like right after it happened, uh, said that they did have enough uh, information that they could have arrested them right then. But apparently, this relationship that the father had with the DA in Georgia 
um, allowed that to basically not happen. I guess she made the phone call and said, hey, let's, let's wait this out, like don't arrest them kind of thing. And see, this, that's the part, and I don't want to get too far away from what we talked about, but that's the part that scares me. And this is, the, this is when, when we talk about institutional, uh, institutional racism, this is the shit that I'm talking about. So like when people think, oh, you just, you just whining, you just crying, this is institutional racism. When you can call in and, and get two murderers off, like basically, and if it wasn't for social media two bringing terrorists. awareness, right, two terrorists, right? Jeez. If it wasn't for social media bringing awareness to other people, like because like in the state of Georgia, I, I don't know what was going on down there, but pretty much I guess they had just let it slide or they just figured like this is, this is what happens down here. But then you get that public outcry and then like they're forced to at least attempt to make it look like they're trying to help. And when I say they're, I'm, you know, I'm talking about white people. But uh, um, so, yeah, I, without that, though, you looking at this whole situation where institutional racism really played like a for real part. And just like my man said on the interview we was watching earlier, um, gun control has always been rooted in racism, right? Yeah. Now, like, like you know, he came out and just he just kept it real. You know, yeah. we didn't. They didn't want niggas to protect themselves. <laughs> Simple as that. that. I mean, he said it just like yeah, that. They didn't want niggas to protect themselves. That's exactly what it was, which is basically probably ninety percent of the laws kind of was built around that whole theory. But with that being said, what do you think would have been different if he did have a gun? Do you think anything would have been different? It, it, well, you know, obviously we never know, but yeah. you know, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe there would have been a deterrent. Maybe he could have got a warning shot off. I, who, who knows what happened, right? Um, but I will say But this. yeah, I know this. His chances are better with that gun than without it. <laughs> I was going to say, what I was going to say, if, if his chances definitely are better. But I, I was going to say, if, if in turn he'd have shot them, oh, come on. immediately, immediately but, arrested yeah. on the spot. Oh, yeah. And that, and that would have purely been self-defense, like purely. You know what I'm saying? Like they been, they was chasing him for a while. Man, if he'd have been able for a while. to if he'd have been able to grab that gun and shoot them, that would have should have been completely self-defense. But I guarantee he'd have got arrested on the spot. It's not even it, his gun. You know what? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I, I want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen a lot of people defend these two motherfuckers, these two, these two, whatever you want to call them, right? <laughs> I'm not even gonna call them people. Um, okay. <laughs> I think people defend them, the white people, right? Um, about like how the father was defending himself, you know, and then they talk about how the guy was trying to grab the gun, right? Okay, if you, you want to say that, whatever world that makes sense, whatever, okay. But why is he getting out of his truck with a shotgun trying to apprehend another private citizen? Right. You know, if you're that worried about it, just call the police. That's you know, right? That's what we're there for, right? You're supposed to. You know? He did not pose you any immediate threat right. anything like that. Call the police. Yeah. Let them take care of it, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Now, whether it would have happened with the police and that young man, there probably would have been some other bullshit knowing what was going on in this country, right. but that's another discussion. He might have gotten yeah. shot by the police. My point is, like, the audacity of this dude to think he can just, it's pre pretty much like saying, hey, show me your papers. That's exactly what it was, it right? Is. You know, this dude minding his own business, and you're gonna follow him, and then decide I'm gonna get this shotgun, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna solve this shit myself. Yeah. The nerd, like, for real? I'm gonna tell you even bigger than that, though. The audacity of America to be behind that concept. That's the audacity. I'm not shocked at that though, because they've always <coughs> have been. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah. I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like the, the, the whole situation is. Yeah, it's obviously a sad situation, right? 
another young black man shot and killed for no reason. Yeah. You know, this time just not by the police, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> Right, I know, right? Yeah. And see, this is why. It makes you mad, right? It, it does yeah. make you mad. I, like, and this, this is a, a conversation that's, that's tough to have. I mean, like, if, you, if you're black and this isn't a conversation that's tough to have, then you've got to be out of touch with reality. Because this is a very tough op- conversation to have because that could, that could be anybody. That could be you. That could have been a woman. That could have been anybody. That could have been anybody from, you know, from... Our black exactly, community. exactly. Which is so, why it's so important to yeah. to exercise that right, man. Because yeah. just 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 to be prepared, because because yeah. you don't know like what's gonna happen, right? You know, and and, and practice, don't just buy it and keep it in the house, and and just because you got a gun, think you're good. Practice. Train with that gun. Train. Practice. Yeah. Clean it. Maintain it. You know, right. go go to the range. You know, shoot 100 rounds a week or whatever, whatever you can afford to shoot, right? Yeah. But it's. And in, in the, in the big, in the big picture, you know, like we look in, you know, years and years and years or whatever, right? It's all about protection. You know, it, it's That's no it. different than what white folks have been doing for all of these years, right? Only you see, you see them, Yeah, you see their little family pictures. They got the American flag behind them, their family, the Bible, and an AR-15, right? Like, and, yeah, and everybody. Yeah, you the just little kid got an AR. Yeah. Everybody got an AR. Right. It, it, hey, it's, it's, I'm telling you, they ready. Y'all better be ready too, man. I'm just saying, you know. And I mentioned this before, and I know I think we had a, a small conversation about this uh, just when um, I was out in Colorado, and I noticed just at the grocery stores and at even some of the convenience stores like 7-Eleven, where that information is rarely available. Like I've seen, I've never seen so many survival magazines that I've seen like ever, like uh, out there as I did, you know, at home. Like at home, you see Right On and Vibe magazine. <laughs> no, no diss to them, but I'm just saying like that that access to uh, to that that kind of information just wasn't readily available. It wasn't until like I was in my thirties when I was living in Colorado, and quite honestly, it wasn't until I, I read some survival magazines in Colorado as a grown as adult that I even knew what a bug out bag was. Didn't even know. Like, and then I started realizing like you kind of actually do need not only a survival kit, but you need a survival strategy. <laughs> like that's shit that we don't even talk about. Which is which where you bugging out too? How long are you gonna be there? All what, that, yeah. All, what all happens that. if it rains? You know, whatever. You know, these, yeah. these are all conversations that we've never had. And I think because our immediate situation always warranted survival. Like our immediate situation mm-hmm. meant you need to survive. And I think when you force, when you when you face with with immediate survival, you don't even think about the other survival. You're trying to make it day to day in the situation you're in. If you haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast, too, with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Mm-hmm. And that's the unfortunate thing. So, and that's where the whole grand scheme of things puts you like behind the eight ball, like so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not to interrupt, but like that's why I don't want to say I'm glad this happened, mm-hmm. but I'm glad some people's eyes opened while all this is going on, right? So that they see, you know, your people, you know, most people, hey, we, we got to survive right now. You know, I got to go to work. I got to put this food on the table. Some folks don't have any jobs anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Now they're relying on the government. They're relying on this. 
And then you, you, you see a lot of these white folks that they've got shit stocked up. They've got this, they've got that, they've right. got this. Like, they good. Yeah, you know, at least for a little bit. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, and, and now we were so worried about being in like instant, like right now survival mode or whatnot. When that's taken away, like, yeah, we, we still got to survive. But I'm telling you what, it's a lot easier. <laughs> A lot easier when you kind of plan for those things to happen, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not saying you got to take all your budget, you know, once a year or something like that. You may, you know, maybe you go buy some, bomb yeah, go buy some ammo <laughs> or, you know, buy some like some some rent, some like camping food, you know, that's yeah, that's you know preserved for a while, or whatever. Yeah. Or you know, just and, and everybody's yeah, you know, yeah, Vienna sausages, <laughs> spam, meat, right? you know, some spam, but like yeah, terrible, like first aid right? kits and stuff like that. You know, people are realizing that type of stuff is important now because. Mm -hmm. You go, you, you know, before we could just go to CVS or wherever and just pick it up. Right. And like now, you can't, you can't right? Exactly. So. Yeah. And that's, the, and that's the, the thing. And I think that's where our narrative, not just the overall narrative, but our narrative needs to change. And quite honestly, that's probably the toughest thing because we are most often faced with immediate like needs or immediate survival. But I think that's also the most pivotal point that we need to change. Like, I think when people, it's not until they get older that they realize that they spent their whole life surviving and not living. Mm -hmm. It's like they don't even figure you it out until later. I'll worry about that shit later. I'll worry exactly. about that shit later. Yeah. But, but and then later like, comes and you're like, damn. It's too late. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I, I guess that's a question, and I don't even know how either one of us answer it, but I ask you that. I, how do you even change the narrative? How do you change the narrative from? surviving to, to actually live. Just like what we were talking about, right? You know, when, when you start teaching your kids about, you know, the different aspects of, you know, not, not just guns, you know, but self-defense, you know, period. Like self-defense is not just guns and shooting at somebody, you know what I mean? Right. It, you know, what, what do you need to shelter in place with, you know, that type of stuff? You know, how, how do you read, like, when a crowd is about to turn ugly and those type of, you know, how do you pick up on cues from other people? That All that is self-defense, right? right. You know, because I tell you, you know, that unusual, like, behavior and stuff in big crowds, like, I'm always watching folks, right? You know, <laughs> sometimes a little too much, I guess, yeah, right? Very but, yeah, because people, are, you just have to be ready for that type of thing. And, like, and you start to change that narrative by, like, instead of just preaching to your kids, like, you know, go to school, get a good job, blah, blah, blah. Just, like, teach them about something. You know, we always try to, like, I say we, I'm not a parent. But I see parents always, you know, trying to shield their kids from the dangers of the world. And I get that. But I think we should also start to teach our kids about the danger of this, of this world. So like, maybe then their so thinking broadens instead exactly. of just like having blinders on. Exactly. Now they're thinking big instead of just like thinking for the next 15 minutes. For sure. I, I think the, the, the difference there is, is, not, is not fearing the danger of, of what your surroundings are, but understanding them. And that's like, it sounds like that's a simple concept to differentiate, but it's not. Right. Like you can fear a lot of things and not even understand the, the actual threat. And I think I think this is a term that I've seen like in movies and probably it's probably some kind of military uh, thinking as well. But it's just about understanding your enemy. Like if you don't understand the threat, you know what I'm saying? Like you can be scared all you want, it's but you got to understand it. Yeah. You know, before like there's a thing in, in, in the army called IPB. Intelligence preparation of the battlefield. So before you even go to fight, what does the battlefield look like? You know, mm -hmm. you know what happens if I have to do this? Right. You know, what is the weather going to be? Like, mm -hmm. you, you got to know about the place where you're going to, not only about the fight, how to fight, but where are you fighting? You got to know about what that place looks like, right? right. So, yeah. So. yeah. so all that's important. And I think at this point, 
we we in a we in a good position. And like I said, it's not this wasn't the the greatest turn of events, obviously, no. with everything that's going on. But it, but it does allow some things to happen. It's going to allow some some new education, some re-education, some refocus. I think I think that's that's been my thing ever since everything has been going on. No, this is not the best financial climate. No, this is probably not going to be, uh, you know, the best, obviously not going to be the best social climate. Um, but it, it is a, a point of refocus, though. And I think that's something that, um, again, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to say that I'm not including the rest of America, but I think this is a, a point for, for us and We're our not, culture. I'm not, I'm not including the rest <laughs> of America. I, I care about my people and, and like, I, I don't. I'm not right. worried about Russia because, like, that, yeah. that's that's what I think. That's part of the problem too. We, we get so worried about trying to fit in and be diverse and be, you know, included and all that. Okay, okay, but <laughs> okay, yeah, 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 but like, <laughs> it, it's never been a focus of theirs, right? It's always been what can you do to adapt to us, adapt right. to me, and now that's like just automatically what we default to. Right. Oh, I well, this, is, this kind of piggyback off what we was talking about yeah, last. So that's what I'm saying. With I'm worried, Van Jones. Yeah, right? you know. Yeah. So like, no, like I'm, I'm I'm worried about us. Right. And that's who I'm talking to. For sure. You see, <laughs> right. Straight to the point, right? <laughs> like I'm trying to be all liberal and shit, right? I mean, you can be. You straight to the point. I don't right? trust some liberals either, though. So <laughs> I really don't trust conservatives, but I don't trust liberals either. Yeah, we're not gonna get into all that, though. But so so with the uh, I, I guess my my thing now is just to uh, also too I just want to mention again that uh, Traverse City is definitely uh, definitely oh, it's on point yeah, yeah. it's on point um, so I what I don't know is if it's truly local like like I wonder is it is it available other places because you know just like Bro Brothers was was hard mm. to like yeah. it's not here you know what I'm mm. saying but it's it's really good so I'm not sure if you can actually find it anywhere else outside of Michigan. Um, if not, though, you can go to their uh, website, which is tcwhiskey.com, and uh, check it out. Though it's, it's some really good. Uh, I will bourbon. say this too to my real bourbon drinkers out there: you can find it, and y'all know how. <laughs> you can find it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look, try to be too politically yeah. correct. Huh? Y'all know. Y'all know how. Hey, look, we got the we got the bro brothers through the underground railroad. That's so. what I'm saying. So there you go. You can shout find out it. to the underground railroad. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> like, Free the spirits, literally. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but with the uh, I, th this is the thing too, though. I, obviously, we want to change the uh, the narrative from you know being fearful or from guns being taboo to actually educating people and like possibly even I, like I dare to say this, but I think that even to make it really be a, a part of a lifestyle, though, like this should be something like. How people in rural areas or, or white people in rural areas like hunting and learning guns is a part of lifestyle. Like it's not just a thing. Like it's just this is just how you raise. America. Yeah, it's America, right? You, you're born, you, you shoot animals, and you learn how to shoot guns. Like that's just <laughs> what it is. So I think that's something that we need to incorporate into our own community. And the stigma, the stigma is there. Like I don't know what we can do to change the stigma, but and that's gonna be there. But that also shouldn't deter us. From trying to make that a lifestyle thing, like I, I think I seen some. Uh, like I remember it was a dude and his daughter. I think his daughter might have been like nine or something, and he had her at the uh, gun range. And I was amazed at how many black people were appalled. Like you know, we we be having so much fake outrage. I don't even know what to say about that. That's a whole other conversation. But um, like black people were appalled. Like why are you? Why are you mad that that he's teaching his daughter something that everybody else is teaching their daughters? 
Like, is it because we're in an urban area? Because we're not shooting deer? Like, I mean, it's, it's still learning. It's still learning equipment. It's still understanding firearms. Like, when you understand something, and this is just like, a, you know, I hate to make the equation, but this is just like racism. <laughs> like, when you understand a person, it's, it's harder to hate them. You know what I'm saying? Like, it really is. Um, so, if you understand the guns, I think it's a little less... I, I think you're less likely to be as fearful if you're educated enough and you understand them. Yeah. I think and, when you yeah. keep it a secret is when the shit is scary. Because you hear all this stuff about how people are scared of AR-15s yeah. and just, why not just have a hunting rifle? Well, that's what an AR-15 is. You know, <laughs> it's a semi-automatic rifle. It, it, it looks different. That's that's the, that's it really. It shoots fast. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It shoots the same as a hunting yeah. rifle. You know, no, 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 that's what it is. Unless you know how to manipulate the gun and make it fully automatic, which like some people do, some people, a lot of people don't. It shoots the same way as a hunting rifle. There's no difference there. Okay. And so which, you know, people, because it looks menacing and that's what the army uses. So that automatically people think it's, oh, military grade weapons. No, it does the same thing a hunting rifle does. Right. Right. It's a little more compact. Right. You know, it may have a bigger, you know, a large capacity. Right. You know, uh, things like that. It may even have a, a um, <coughs> excuse me. It has a selector switch, right? Uh -huh. So some folks are, oh, you know. But if you're if you're a civilian and you go to buy uh, a firearm, that selector switch is safe and semi. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no bullet button like. <laughs> so there's some politician that's talking about some bullet button. No, there's no bullet button. That's just stupid, right? Yeah, but you know, politicians yeah. trying to spin. Yeah. So. And again, like the way they look can be menacing to people. But when you learn about it and learn that it, essentially the way it functions, mm -hmm. it's the same, that's a little different, right? Right. So. I mean, even all of those things, functionality, uh, like the difference between calibers, uh, the difference between, uh, you know, different different styles, different, uh, what did you call it before? What's the word, the actual word you use? Classifications. Different classifications of uh, pistols and, and yeah, what's a pistol? What's a rifle? What's, what's a, a rifle? Shotgun, yeah. yeah, all that. So I think all of those things are important and almost should kind of be a, a part of your upbringing. And I, and I know to a lot of people, especially especially black people, I'm talking to us again. I think to a lot of us, it's scary because we yeah. don't know. Yeah. So and I get it. So yeah, it's scary. But the, the educational information is there. A lot of our a lot of our friends and family members have been to the military and, and actually have this information where you don't even have to go out and find it yourself. Like, I mean, obviously, I, I, I still expect you to go do some uh, education on your own. Right. But I think some of that information is readily available right there for us. We just really got to start taking advantage of it and stop. See, what we're doing at this point is we're vilifying it because they're vilifying it. You know what I'm saying? Like, people only scared of guns, I, I feel like. People only scared of guns because the media and politicians tell you that you should be. That's the way I look at it. Because I feel like if, 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 they, if they never came up with the term black-on-black -black crime, if they never showed um, gang activity with semi-automatic rifles, I think you would, never make, you would never make that equation between the two. But now that those symbols have been fed to you, I think we're starting to feed into it too. Like, we got to start taking some of the, some of the fear out of, it, out of it. You know what I'm saying? Just like, and I say this a lot of times about, um, you know, about crime. I do think that criminals, uh, uh, no matter what you do, like even if you if you take everybody's gun, criminals will figure out a way to get a gun. So at, at, at this point, me being a good guy, you know, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm a good guy, I'm a civilian, you know what I'm saying? 
Um, I feel like what, what, what the criminal. Look at that word, criminal. Criminal. What, what do criminals do? They break the law. They break the law. So even if you made them illegal, they will they break, break the, the law. law. <laughs> right. I never even looked at it like that, but it's that simple, though, right? So I, I think the scary thing, and this is probably the maybe the one of the only things that I agree with people who uh, you know are are super conservative. Is that I don't want my rights to to bear arms taken away. That part we can agree on. Like I agree with y'all on that one. And, you know, and, and for me, yes, I like guns. But but I think what is even more about for me anyway is the the right to protect myself, yeah. right? And so I think it's I think it's, right it, it, yeah, I so think it's inherently just stupid and or I don't want to say you don't want to say stupid. It's inherently it's, it's ignorant, right? Okay. So to to say that. Look at like you know how look at all these police departments, and I'm not talking about like a major police department, Detroit, Philly, Baltimore, nothing like that. I'm talking about something like uh, uh, like Fraser, Michigan, or Pittsfield, or Pittsfield, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> if, what, if you know about Pittsfield. Yeah. You know. Why do you need you know all this riot gear? Because you look at these police departments are, are they're, what they're really doing is militarizing, right? They're getting all this equipment and whatnot. And I'm not saying you know I believe in some new world order and all that good stuff. What I am saying is, at least I want a chance if something like that was to happen, right? And I know, like, if they are armed and I'm not, I have no chance. Exactly. You know? Right. No <laughs> yeah, chance. Simple as that. Right. And then, and that's the thing too. I think that um, we lose sight of, and possibly because it's not in our face like it like it was uh, a generation or two uh, before us, is that 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 necessity to protect ourselves. Right. I think somewhere it got lost to where people start feeling somewhat safe. So you feel like you don't have to protect yourself. But you think about just a, just a couple generations ago, which is which is honestly less than a hundred years ago. Like when you really look at when you really look at Jim Crow and you look at like when the civil rights movement first started, like dude, we talking about less than a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. Less than a hundred years ago you were unable to protect yourself. Yeah. Like period. And I think people lose sight of that like it was so long ago, like dude, that was your mom's, that was your grandma, like this just happened, you right. know what I'm saying, yeah. this just happened. So you have an opportunity to get to a point where you don't have to be where they were. Because I guarantee you, like, I mean, just like the life cycle and everything else on earth, everything is a rotation, everything comes back around. I would definitely just rather be educated on how to defend myself and what, what I can use and, and survival in those methods um, at that point, I would rather have that information and have that, that skill uh, rather than be fearful of using these tactics because I, I think that when, I think instilling fear, I mean obviously that works on, for most, most agendas, possibly even the pandemic that we're going through right now, but I think instilling that fear is, is one thing that, that holds people captive. Mm. I don't want to be a, I don't want to be afraid of guns. I want to know how to use them. I want to know when to use them. I want to know when it's legal to use them so I don't get caught in the in the <laughs> whole you know bullshit. Yeah. I, I need to know all of that though, and I think that the the first thing to change the narrative is just to take it out of that whole taboo realm. Like I mean, I, I know people when they have guns in their home now and they got kids, and it's just like, don't let them touch the gun. Don't let them know where it's at do all of this like but at what point do you say you know what maybe you do need to know where the gun at maybe you do need to know how to use it like right. because what if i can't get to it yep. and you need to save the household right? yeah. you know what i'm saying like you 12 you need to know how to go get this pistol and, and cock this motherfucker and, and, and get somebody up out of crib like you need to know what and, do you do if you have a stoppage you know what do you do if, yeah. you know whatever because you know, yeah. you're seeing it in movies all the time right where 
where somebody getting ready to shoot somebody in the jam or they can't get it to shoot like and then they stuck because like they don't even know what to do after that like those those are real life situations that's not just movies that's real life situations right. like, you need to know what to do in order to stop that from happening all of this shit you need to know and that whole education part this i think we talked about this before i got a college degree bo got like 19 though <laughs> And, I, got, and, I got a couple of them. Right, got like 19 working on 20. <laughs> and still, I think either one of us is probably truly an advocate of classical education. But no. we, we are definitely advocates of learning. Like, you need to learn. I'm not going to say that you need to pay the government's institution to get this learning, but you definitely need to be learning. And this is one of those things I think it needs to be a part of our households because, like, the... The way, the way the institution is now, when I say the institution, I'm talking about America, the way it's set up now, they don't really want you, not us, they don't really want us to have this information. Mm -hmm. So now it's upon us to, to make it happen. So let me tell you all about the, about the game they're playing on y'all right now with, with these guns or whatnot, right? So, you know, obviously, you know, I've got this hoodie on, anti-Trump as fuck, right? So most people would probably assume <laughs> that, most people would probably assume that I support Biden, right? So while you're anti-Trump and you're pro, I don't support Biden. But and you're pro-Biden, you know, and if you're such, if you're so pro-guns, well, no, I'm not. I'm, I am anti-Trump. I don't support Biden. You know, I have a lot of different ideals politically about how things are. Um, what, what, and I want to tell y'all about the way I see this, right? So when you talk about the government and all this good stuff, right? You look at the black community and how we've been behind the Democratic Party and what, you know, and yes, most often, you know, most Democrats aren't, they may not be anti-gun, but they're not pro-gun or whatever, right? And so in turn, since a lot of black folks is automatically default to, uh, to Democrats, like they start to take on some of those and like those, now I wouldn't say anti-gun, you know, attitudes, but indifferent attitudes about guns. like. Oh, whatever, I don't need guns anyway, so, you know, whatever. And I, want, I just want to warn you, that's, that's, that's very dangerous, right? Like, that's, that's, that's a dangerous slope. That's what they want you yeah, to think. they want you to think that, right? And, and I'm, I'm saying that because you look at over the course of history and how it's shifted, you know, like every, a lot of things have shifted from party to party or over the course of history, right? And, and like this, this gun debate has a little bit too over the course of history. Um, but just be careful, like, when you vote and all that type of stuff, like you vote, you vote because you want things to be better for you and your family. That's just another thing that you have to think about when you vote, right? Right. It's, 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 it's the gun argument, and I'm not saying you know go vote whoever's pro guns, right? What I am saying is when you when you're selecting your candidates way before the election, primaries and stuff like that, you know you should let them know what is important to you. And this is one of those things that you should be telling politicians that are that is important to you, right? Exactly. So like let those Democrats, if you want to vote Democrat, that's fine. But let them know, hey, this is what's important. This is what's happened, you know, with this corona scare and whatnot. And this is what I was vote. worried about. <laughs> and like I had no clue about this, right? So so now folks are, are beginning to see like gun sales are going like crazy and it's hard to find ammo anywhere right now, right? Because people kind of realize like, oh shit, like I need to protect myself. <laughs> exactly right. Right. And if you continue to put those politicians in, and like you give them that power just to do whatever they want and wield that pen however they want then yes, it's gonna to be tougher to protect your family even when you're thinking you know, along those lines, right? Now, of course, I'm talking in extremes, but that's something that needs to be on your radar somewhere, right? You know, because um, again, 
You should be like demanding, writing, whatever you need to do to your politicians about what's important to you, mm -hmm. right? Not like you should, the way the way this government's supposed to be. They don't. They shouldn't. They they shouldn't tell us what's important to us. You know, and, and all that. We have to tell them that, right? We've got right. Yeah, to get a right. We should be. We've, we've got. Them. We've got to, you know, educate each other. We've got to participate. We got to start our own packs and stuff like that. Mm. You know, that's that's why that's why I mess with that's why I mess with with, with NAGA a lot because they're very active politically and they're just only getting bigger and they're getting stronger and they're getting more money and more support behind them. Gotcha. Right. And check check below to see the yeah. There. But yeah, all of those things are important. I guess the thing is at this point. I guess we are wrapping up, getting around, around to the end. But I think the important thing is to let people know that information is there. To let right. people know that this entity exists. Like, it's crazy until, like, today, basically, I didn't even know that the organization existed. I knew about what was going on at the Capitol in Lansing. I didn't know that this was a, a leg of that organization. Yeah, Black Bottom Gun Club. Yeah, yeah. so I, I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't even hip to that. And I think just the, the whole, I think the bottom line to this is just kind of like everything else we talk about, and it really is self-education. And I, I say self-education because in real life, um, the educational system, the way it's set up, it's, it's still, I mean, it, it's, still a kettle pro, it's still a cattle process. Like, basically, they're giving you the information that they want you to have to move you in a certain direction. I mean, that's just what it is. But this is why self-education is a, a lot more important. So I, we always get back to that shit, though, right? Always get back to education. I mean, at the at the the, the cornerstone of everything, though, it is it is information. I won't even say education. I say uh, information is the cornerstone of every movement, uh, every paradigm shift. Everything like is rooted in information. How we get that information and how we disperse it, I think, is the important thing. Again, I'm like I'm dead set against it. Both said, like, if you want to go, you'll figure out a way. Yeah, I mean, because, like, it's, it's a capitalistic society, right? It is. So you go to get a job, they're going to say, hey, you need this paper to get this job. Like, mm -hmm. I feel you. you got to, you know, if you want to go that route, that's some of the things you got to do. Mm -hmm. All I'm saying is just don't get super in debt and drown, you know, in loans and things like that. You know, go out, look for money, have a plan. Or like, I don't want to get into all the education thing. but Right. Yeah. I mean, but on that tip, and we're going to get off of it, but in real life, too, even if you can afford it and you get a classical education, um, your learning should never stop at that. Like when you when you learning something through a classical uh, institution, you got to understand how these institutions were set up originally. Like, all right, I, I say this often, and I'm gonna say it again for people who never heard me say it. But everything, the laws, the education, everything that we uh, participate at this point, honestly, was never created with us in mind. So you, as long as you keep that in mind. You can, you can go along with the system. So you take the education that they're giving you, but you still got to look for other information yourself. You still have to be self-educated in other things. And the reason I say that is because, again, everything that we're dealing with now is hundreds and hundreds of years old, and none of this shit was, was actually put in place for us. So you got to know that by you using it, you're not going to be in the, in the position that you probably think that you're going to be in because it was never intended for you. So with that being said, you, you always got to kind of go outside the box and, and I, as much as I hate saying it, because I, somebody said something to me about this before, and they said that this is not really a good way to think. But in real life, when you when you come out the womb with melanin, <laughs> you are a step behind. I don't care what nobody tell you. You might not, you might shouldn't implant that in your kid's brain, but you you got to be cognizant of the fact that you always like I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you in school terms. You always got to be cognizant that when you get the textbook that you also need to get the study guide. Like, you have to have the study guide. Because if you don't have the study guide, then this 
the information in the textbook is not going to mean nothing to you. And that's the equation I want to make to like classical education. If you go get this classical ed education from this institution and you can afford it or whatever, however you get it, you still got to make sure you educate yourself outside the box. And this is where I think um, the, the whole gun scenario comes into play is because th that information is readily available. If you do get it from a classical from a classical point, which I don't know if that'll ever be actually in classical education, but if you ever do, you definitely got to keep in mind that that information is going to be dispersed to you in a, in a manner that's not really going to include you. So you always going to have to be self-taught when it comes to stuff um, where we actually trying to get into the forefront or at least level playing ground with our counterparts. So with that being said, it's up to us. We are obligated <laughs> to pass this education on to our community and to educate ourselves and just to get away from the education park. And I'm, be, I'm totally pissed at school. I still owe student loans, so that's probably why I got such a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it kind of relies on, um, again, I won't use the word education, I'll just use the word information. I think that's something that's super important and people have been preaching to us for years. They've been telling us that information is key. And I, I think at this point, when everything slowed down and like people are out of work, and you start really trying to figure out the long-term survival. And this is something that, again, I said this before, and I, I don't want anybody who's listening to take it lightly. I think that long-term survival has never been a part of our repertoire. Any kind of survival for us meant immediate survival. Like, we trying to make it from day to day, keep our head above water, like they say in good times. I think we've always been on that. So now it's time to look at the long-term survival. And that's where the narrative's got, you know, got to change. I, like, I... I I guess that's agreeable. I don't know. What you think? That makes sense? Yeah, though? when you start looking long term, yeah, definitely. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and that, that information is very important. Mm -hmm. I think what's more important is what we do with that information, right? True. So, True. yeah, you know, there's you some action with that. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's education, um, there's information, and I guess the way I look at it, there's also knowledge, right? Okay. So, when you, when you have knowledge, and that's not necessarily what you've been taught, you know, it's maybe something like you've experienced. Or something that you've true. been through, you know, situation you've been through. They say where, experience is the best. Right. Yeah. And then I think when when you incorporate that in as well, then you can make actionable plans with whatever information is available. Right. Right. So making it not just having it, but like really making it work for whatever your life situation is. You know. Right. And, and that, that's that's not just for guns. You know, that's for mental health. That's for finances. That's for whatever everything. relationships. Whatever you want to do. You know what especially, I mean? Especially especially finance. Which next week we go get into a financial conversation. But when you said that, though, I think that's absolutely true. Your experience kind of dictates what your, exactly. your knowledge is. And that's the experience we got to change. When you're talking about a kid growing up in the inner city, your experience with guns has probably been pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Like somebody was either using it as a criminal, somebody you know has been, uh, their life has been taken by, you know, guns. So your experience has dictated to the point where you are fearful because yeah, everything, everything you negative. Say, yeah, every, every, it's, you can relate it to everything negative, exactly, right? Yeah, right. exactly. So if you can change that into some kind of positivity, I think we'll be, you know, uh, onto a better road and shit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, we're not gonna take it too much further than that because I know we've been talking the ear off already. Uh, we go, we go, uh, kind of get back into uh, the wisdom. I mean, the, the bourbon here. Smith and Wesson M and P nine mil, good starter pistol. Around you about four hundred bucks. You yeah. get a used one for about. 275 to 300. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, that's good information. All right. So, before we, yeah, so let me ask you that. Before we get back into the whiskey and, I mean, into the bourbon and, uh, and, and even it out, um, for somebody who's a novice, somebody who's just getting into 
like learning about you know guns or pistols or shotguns or uh, rifles. Um, I think you, you just gave some examples again. I'm gonna let you go through those again. But for somebody who's just getting in, uh, give them those uh, the the ones that you would refer to as starters. And then also um, like like for a, an average person, what do you think the the best firearm would be? Well, my first piece of advice would be go to a gun range that lets you that has rentals, right? Mm -hmm. So do your research, whatnot, read up on, you know, nine millimeters. You know, you can go to YouTube or go to Google and, and you can, hey, best nine millimeters under $400 and stuff like that. Watch videos and these torture tests they put these guns through or whatnot. Right. So do that, get an idea of what you're kind of looking at first. Go to these ranges, hold it, feel it, look at it, cock it, you know, load it, all that good stuff, shoot it, and see you know, how it feels in your hand, with the weights, like all that good stuff, and then make your decision from there, right? Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I did with my mother, actually, okay. uh, is I, you know, I got her like a, uh, well, I let her shoot my revolver, because she's having a hard time with the slow, with the, you know, pulling the slide back. Yeah, like, you know, and most of them say, well, the revolver's only five or six shots, blah, blah. I mean, I mean if, if, you, if you're doing your job, right, I mean, those five or six shots will be plenty. You exactly. know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I keep a revolver as, as, as my backup, right? Because I know it's always going to shoot. You know, it's never going to always going to shoot. You know, run out of bullets, but yeah. they ain't going to jam, right? <laughs> um, you know, so like, like, I'm a big fan of Smith & Wesson products, you know. Um, you know, but, but Glock is good. Sig is awesome. It's going to be more exp expensive. Um, for somebody that's really on a budget, it's not fancy, it's not sexy, but high point, nine mils and cost you, you know, 180 to $200 for a brand new one. Um, it, it jams from time to time, but it's not going to, like, Put, put in high point nine mil on YouTube and look at all these torture tests they put this thing through okay. and the thing still shoots, you know what I mean? Okay. And, and, and if, you're, if you're getting into it, I'm pretty sure we're not gonna have some hot, some old, old west, you know, high noon shootout, right? <laughs> right? Like you're trying to get somebody off you, you're trying to deter something yeah. like that. And the high point would do that. Like in a fire, you know, it'll get, it'll get them off you a little bit, give you some time to escape or evade, get whatever you want to do, right. yeah. <laughs> right. You know, um, so, you know, a lot of people are gonna throw out their opinions, oh, that's so shit, you don't do that. You know, that might that may have worked for them. Mm -hmm. You need to find out what works for you, right? I was just so, gonna say. Yeah, so you know, like, I'll give like Smith & Wesson M&P 9, I'm, I'm a big fan of. You know, Glock 17, I'm a fan of, right? Uh, my SIG P3, uh, P320, which costs a little bit more, but that's probably my favorite. You know, uh, Archon Arms Type B, that's also, a, you know, a good firearm. Um, as far as like ammo and calibers, you know, obviously nine, nine mils is probably the most common. It may not be the most strongest, you know, but the thing about nine mils is like ammo is readily available, parts are readily available, people that know how to work on them are readily available, people that can teach you how to work on them are readily available about nine mil. And then you can branch out from there. Because that's always going to be a discussion, and you'll find out when you Google nine mil or 45, 45 or nine mil. Yeah. You know, I'm going to tell you. Whatever works for you, whatever you like. I think that, that's the most important thing because I think I mentioned this earlier uh, when I was at the range and I was I was uh, shooting some forties and one of them one of them had a shorter a shorter handle and like it's still a forty and it still got the it still got the same kickback but because the the handle was shorter and I got bigger hands like it didn't it didn't allow me the control that I needed because like what if I'm in a situation where like I need to be moving and shooting mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying like. It's possible that I'm going to lose. Which is usually going to what happen. You're not going to stand in one place. Exactly. Right? exactly. You know what I mean? So you're probably going to be moving. So it was definitely uncomfortable for me because it felt like like every time I, I, I squeezed it, every time I shot, it felt like it was going to jump out of my hand. And I think that's 
that's something that like nobody can tell you. You have to experience, you experience it. it. You have to go back to experience, right? Exactly. Yeah, it goes back to experience. So I think that's true. So you definitely the, the ones that he mentioned, you can definitely take those into consideration. But I think the the very most important thing that you said just now was to get to the range and and experience it. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't like, I can tell you like, yeah, grab that forty with you know with. Uh, this this maker and these bullets and because it works for me and then you using it like man he don't know what he's talking about like mm -hmm. and that, that could definitely be the case I don't know what I'm talking about for you like I just know that like my hands too big I can't have something too short that I can't have control over because at the end of the day I think that when you don't and I think this is even outside of guns I think whenever you in a situation or or handling any equipment that you don't feel like you can control there's a fear factor. Like yeah, all the education go out the window when you don't feel like you can control it. You know what I'm saying? So you that's why the experience is, is necessary. And I did have to ask this, because um, I'm not I'm not well versed on how uh, you know how the, uh, the gun ranges work. And I think a lot of people are I think we mentioned this off camera, are fearful of going to the gun range, mm -hmm. which is um, understandable because Definitely. we not we ain't hip. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? We not hip to going to the gun range. So for people who who've never been to the gun range like, what would you tell them to kind of ease that fear of actually even entering the gun range? <laughs> I guess, um, just speaking up from my experience again, mm -hmm. so I look at folks like my moms, my sister, you know, some friends and things like that, yeah. um, that were initially, I guess, afraid, or maybe not even afraid, but maybe unsure of guns, right? right. So the first thing I did with them is to walk them through, like, safety, you know what I mean? Yeah. How to handle it, how to approach them. Like, you always, you always treat it like it's low, even if you know it's, Unload it. Like it might be loaded. Treat it like it's loaded. Always. You never know. Like always treat it like it's loaded, so it's right? Repetition. Yeah. So that, but like I, I scooted from a safety standpoint, right? Because that's what people are worried about. How do I not shoot myself with this thing, right? Facts. Yeah. Facts. Yeah, exactly. Or shoot somebody else, right? You know, by accident, you know, by accident right? right? So yeah. So I've always you know approached it just from a safety standpoint. You know, this is this this is how you safely you know. This is how you rack it, or this is how you know you load the magazine, or whatever. You know, you keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready. You know, to to to, to shoot whatever you're you're aiming at. Right. If you're aiming at something, be ready for that something to die if you pull that trigger. <laughs> no, I'm exactly. serious. No, like no, you have to no. think that way. Like when you pull that trigger, you aim that, and you pull it. Somebody, chances are somebody's gonna somebody die, die, right? right? So you have that has to be in your head, right? Yeah. It's like when you realize. Then I think people realize like. The amount of responsibility, you know, not so much power, but the amount of responsibility, responsibility. they have there in hands that time, right? Yeah. And so that's a fine line, too. Yeah, responsibility yeah. yeah. And so I look at, I was looking at, you know, my mom and my sister, you know, like being first time, like you know, actually, you know, this is what I'm doing, and how they approached it, and they really approached it from that safety standpoint, and that made them feel more comfortable about it, right? Yeah. So it's like again, knowledge, you know, uh, it's, it's not just what you read and what you see and what videos you watch, but like. And if you don't, if you don't have a uh, actual gun, go get go. We used to call them rubber duckies in, in the army. Okay. Go get a, get a fake gun and just and just kind of practice the handling it, like yeah. put it in a holster. Yeah. You know, when you're at when you're at a range, unless you've gone through some certifications or whatnot, you can't pull it from your holster because you know what I mean. It, Thank God. Does something like that exist though? Like some kind of uh, fake gun that yeah, like, with with all the with like all the workings of a real gun. I mean, not not all the workings, obviously. You know, yeah. Yeah, something's going to be good because it's fake. But like, right. yeah, but yeah. like to learn how to load yeah. and to learn, yeah, okay. Sure. 
Like where could where could any gun store? Yeah. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Any gun store? That's what I'm curious because that could yeah. be that could be something that you could well, that, start out with teaching. Well, that, that's how classes are usually started okay. with those rubber duckies I was talking about. That's gotcha. what people usually go about it. You know, okay. getting people used to that that safety aspect. First, yeah, 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 you know, for sure. Because like th that's the most important thing. Like, yeah. how do you not? We, if you pull that trigger, right? Yeah, <laughs> and when you pull that trigger, like that's that. It's over. That's finite. You can't take it back, right? Sure. Yeah. So, and then you really have to respect the gun when you're using it. You know, yeah. don't like. I hate to see that shit when, even if it's fake or whatever, the motherfuckers are waving guns around and stuff. Like, don't point the nozzle at anybody. You know, keep. I'm very particular at it. Like, I'm almost a dick at, at, at the gun range with, with yeah. some folks, right? Yeah, because, because it's like, safety. yeah, it's safety mm -hmm. like you definitely like it's it's designed to do a certain thing. You definitely don't want to do something right. by accident. Simple as that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's plain as it goes. But I think, yeah, that's definitely the, the thing. And the more the more experience you have with it, I think the more comfortable comfortable you'll be with it. And it, that means it's gonna be less accidents. That's right. just like anything else. It's just like with that's just like with driving. Like the more you drive, like supposedly, uh, the better your experience. Some of y'all know. Some of y'all. Yeah. I was just gonna say that's why. That and, and red line. Some of y'all need to take the DOT and shit. He said DOT. That and red line is why the uh, insurance rates are so high in Michigan. But anyway. But the motherfucking smart bus and shit. Smart, <laughs> smart bus? And they went around the, the, the suburbs and Hell shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, look, man, we just got real local with this. Yeah. Shit. But yeah, so I, I think, so So what you're saying is basically the, the education on, on safety is what makes it easier to get into. The, I think you know, so. You know, yeah, that, that's how I got, you know, people that, you know, that I've worked with into it, right? Mm. And then, yeah, you know, you squeeze up a few rounds and shit. Mm. That's what she said. But you know, <laughs> you shoot a few, you send a few rounds down range, and yeah, you know, you, you work it. You know, you, you try to get comfortable with it first, and then as you get comfortable with it, then you can kind of start working on some groupings, and then you know, getting your sights lined up and all that type of stuff, zero one it in, all everything else like that. It, it, it's actually a, a pretty long product. You just don't go buy gun and shoot gun. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's not like a video game and shit, right? You know what I mean? Exactly. Not Call of Duty, right? And, um, and I have to admit that I wish that that information and like just that perspective was available for me when I was younger. But quite honestly, uh, like me and probably everybody else who uh, grew up in the inner city, my first experience with, with guns were like pretty negative. Like people that I knew had no re no uh, no legal <laughs> reason to have pistols, uh, had guns, and the people that. Um, I first, I won't even say, I won't even say learn to shoot. I'll say uh, experience shooting <laughs> with definitely weren't educated in any kind of safety things. Like, so, yeah. so you get those, <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, you get those times when you're a teenager and, you know, like, not to put anybody on blast, but like you're a teenager and, and people are handling guns and you looking at guns and they're, they're passing you guns with fingers on triggers. Pass you guns with the with the barrel faced at you, you know what I'm saying? Like not not understanding that even though you took the clip out, that there's probably still one in the chamber. Like all this education that's magazine. not. Yeah, uh, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, magazine. I'm the sorry. Clip. Yeah. This guy. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, Negro shit. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just like slapping the bottom of the bottle. Man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like so not realizing there's there's still possibly could be one in the chamber. Like right. all those things that you don't. You don't know, but you're handling guns, mm -hmm. and, and unfortunately, those were my early experiences. It wasn't until I got older um, that, like, uh, again, like I, I think that's why I said that because a few people went to the military and then they came back with some different knowledge. 
And that's where I kind of start first learning, like learning about guns. Like I, I, was, I experienced guns early, but I didn't learn guns until later on. So I think that's the part that's, that's missing. Know, everybody can squeeze the trigger, not everybody can shoot. True. You know what I mean? Definitely. And that's what it comes down to, really, you know. That's the real yeah. shit I've heard. That's the <laughs> real shit I've heard. On that note, shit, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up, dog. Um, so, final analysis, dog, on the, on the Traverse City. It's good, man. I, I like it. Um, I'm pleasantly surprised. I was kind of iffy about it when, when I bought it. Um, I like it. Definitely going to drink it again. I'll, I'll buy it again. Um, it's probably going to work its way into my rotation somehow. Yeah, yeah definitely work. That, like it's gonna work for me because um, the citrus. Um, if anybody know me, like I, I drink a lot of orange juice, so citrus shit like really like mm. it's, it's part of my palate. But what I do enjoy, of course, we talk about this every episode. I do have a softer palate. I <laughs> so, really enjoy the finish of it. The though, finish, man. yeah, the yeah, finish of it is good. I think it's I think it's more caramel. You think it's more vanilla? I think it's vanilla. Fine, <laughs> but we both like the finish. So right. in the big scheme of things, exactly. All right, it's, it's good. good. So yeah, yeah we give it a thumbs up, dog. Um, definitely, um, I. Is uh, I'm not ready to say how high it is at this point, um, but as far as rotation, I definitely would agree. Um, again, I go back to something I mentioned before because when I first bought Traverse City, I bought this uh, with the Woodford Reserve, and I, I've had Woodford Reserve before, um, but it was like so long ago I couldn't remember. So I bought both of the, these at the same time, and I had the Woodford, and I definitely, honestly, would would choose the Traverse City over Woodford. I know a lot of people don't agree with that, uh, <laughs> but um, definitely, I would choose this. Where it said as far as on the top tier, um, I guess I, I can't say yet. I want to go through the rest of the yeah. season to see. Yeah. But um, it's uh, in, in the in the terms of uh, you know where I'm from, it's hella decent. Yeah, <laughs> it's hella it's decent. Yeah. I, I guess right now for season two, mm -hmm. this will this will be number two for me behind Bro, Bro Brothers. Oh yeah, and yeah. in this season definitely mm -hmm. yeah, number two. Um, yeah, definitely number two, but yeah, behind Bro Brothers, which again, like I know this, this ain't the episode, but that shit was good. That shit was good. <laughs> right, that if y'all can get your hands on a bottle of Bro Brothers, man, do enjoy it. it. Do it <laughs> right, and do enjoy it. it. If like, you got to go through the Underground Railroad like we did, then do it. Y'all real bourbon drinkers know how to do that, so go ahead and do it. <laughs> right, but they are expanding, so they're coming around. Yeah. Um, Traverse City, again, though, like if you have an opportunity to have it, I'm sure you'll agree. Like, I don't say that often. Like, I don't often say that I'm sure everybody will agree. But I think if you experience enough bourbons, because uh, at this point, we've been through uh, bourbons and whiskeys. We've been through, so we did eight and then three. So this would be like number 12. Uh, out of the 12, definitely is in there. It's in there. It's in the rotation for sure. So I would recommend it. I think we both give it a thumbs up. Um, as far as today's uh, today's conversation, I think it was it was very well needed. Uh, again, I, I have to say this, uh, salute and prayers out to the Arbery family uh, for that whole situation in Georgia. Um, it's, a very, it's a very sensitive situation and the subject, which uh, I, was, I was hesitant about even talking about because it's, it's like the emotions I haven't, I haven't put them together yet. So I don't want to be over the top angry and then I don't want to be uh, like, I don't know, I don't want to be in this bitch crying or something, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where we at with things. Mm -hmm. Like you got enough, we got enough that we dealing with this whole little pandemic with the, uh, and, I, and I say little lightly, I didn't really mean it like that, but this whole pandemic of uh, the COVID-19, and then on top of that, we gotta be reminded that we still black in America, which is a very tough thing to be reminded. But we are, so on that note though, we gonna end it off <laughs> before I get all emotional.
emotionally attached and shit. And we just gonna say we give the Traverse City a thumbs up. Don't forget, man, if you haven't checked out the rest of the episodes, be sure that you go to eblockradio.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you get alerted every time we go live. And uh, we are live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Again, if we haven't uh, drank a whiskey or bourbon that you enjoy, then be sure to go ahead and put that into the comment box and we will take that into consideration and maybe do it on a future show. And uh, salute to the Black Bourbon Society and because we are trying to be a part of those guys. <laughs> we're not as, uh, we may not be uh, up to that caliber yet, but we're on our way. So don't forget about us. And real quick, before we get out of here, I want you to uh, plug again the uh, the black ammo maker, uh, the black uh, the black uh, FFL. Yep, and the uh, all the stuff that people need to know. <laughs> yeah, so FFL is federal uh, firearms license, right? So gotcha. that's just what people refer to as people that can legally, you know, uh, sell guns, basically. Okay. Um, on Point Arms, again, On Point Arms LLC, check him out on, on IG. Um, he, he, put, he posts all kinds of videos of him uh, trying out, you know, new firearms, and he gives all kinds of tips, things like that. Check him out on IG. His name's Kenrick. He's from the islands. You, you, you probably enjoy his, his, uh, his accent, too. But, you know, real, real down-to-earth guy, real good guy. If you reach out to him, I guarantee he'll get back to you with any, you know, if you got questions, things like that. Um, as far as the ammo goes, Black Rambo Ammo Company, which is, to my knowledge, the only black-owned ammo company in the United States, or, or in probably the world, for that matter. The world, right? You know, right? Um, the world, crazy. Yeah, top of the world, man. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, definitely, you know, uh, if, if you don't give them your, your business, check them out, like what they share, you know, sh share what they post. You know, somebody else might, you know, might enjoy their products or whatever. Somebody could Yeah, use for sure. It. Somebody could use it. So, yeah, definitely give them a shot, folks. All right. On that tip, man, again, we enjoy the Traverse City Whiskey. And be safe with these fire oh, yes. be Definitely safe. be safe. Safety first, man, mm -hmm. for sure. Um, till the next time, though, you already know what it is, man. Beers, bourbon, whiskey. Everybody loves BBW. Next time, man, it's your boy, Q Lewis, holding it down live from the 48205. My man, Bo, in the building. Ashay. <laughs> Peace out, y'all. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you or your company are looking to jump into the podcast world, now is the time. The Plug Agency is here to connect you to the full power of podcasting. You just record and leave the rest to us. The people are listening and want to hear from you. Theplug-agency.com. That's theplug-agency.com. Click the link in the episode description for an exclusive offer.